What's up, Biker Bar? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar podcast live stream, episode 100. Holy cow. I don't even know how that happened. Well, apparently, me sitting in my garage 100 times talking to people online. So, but nonetheless, yeah, this is exciting. It's an exciting show. We're going to have uh, the, the head engineer main guy from Cascade Components on tonight, which will be a really fun conversation. But before we do that, let's go ahead and do, do the, the normal particulars. Do me a favor. If you have Instagram, go to my Instagram and hit the little follow button. That would be rad because I like to see more people on Instagram when that just makes me feel better about myself, you know? So I'm trying to guilt you into the, this. If you're one of those people that doesn't do Instagram, at BikerB1, by the way, <laughs> and you do Facebook because you're like old, <laughs> then go ahead and swing by. There's a Facebook page as well, at BikerB1. I don't know who uses Twitter, but for some reason, I have a Twitter and there's like 10 people over there following me. So that would be that would be great if you um, just went to Instagram or Facebook instead. So with that being said, also, I um, have noticed lately that there is a bunch of people that that are meeting like I meet in in public and they always come up and they're like, oh, man, I love the podcast. And I think some people don't know that I have a regular YouTube channel as well, a more POV kind of review style channel. So if you ever want to go check that out, just look up Biker, B1KER on YouTube and go over there and give it a follow. Or if you're a, a biker fan and you're just swinging by the Biker Bar tonight for the first time, hit the subscribe button. It's not that hard. If you're into the show, hit a thumbs up. If you uh, want to ask some questions and you're on the YouTube, go ahead, do that. Hit it up in the comments and, I, and I'll get back at you. If you're listening on the podcast app, thanks a lot. I really appreciate that. Write a review, only if it's going to be like five stars, though. If, if it's not going to be five stars, don't waste your time. It's not really worth it. <laughs> so with all that being said, let's go ahead and, and bring Jimmy back on online here. And here we go. Bam. What's up, Jimmy? Hello. How's it going? How's it going, man? Yeah, did you uh, Did you get out on the bike today? No, no, no bike today. Just running around doing, you know, errands and yeah. Sort of I know how those you. days go. Somehow I ended up riding like 80 miles this week. So I don't know what I did, but apparently I blew off everything else I was doing and just kept riding bike. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and get started. How did you, what, what made you decide to start this company that you're running? Uh, I mean, it, so it, it started out as just a, a side project, uh, like, like many things, I guess. Um, it originated as, so I had, uh, I was riding a little local spot, broke through a triangle on my Nomad because I went too fast in a berm and then jumped out of it into a tree. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I was just like walking out, you know, with my broken bike, thinking about suspension stuff uh -huh. and, and just like modifying shock stroke and, and whatnot. And then ended up going down this rabbit hole of doing math later and realized that end of stroke didn't had some characteristics I didn't really like and yeah, made a link to fix it. And then kind of just took off from there. There were enough people that were like, Oh, Hey, I'd love to, you know, try this out where we decided uh -huh. to, cause there's an arm of the company that does like mechanical engineering design and whatnot. Um, 
Uh-huh. And we're like, oh, we'll just, you know, we like, so we have a shop. So we're like, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll do a batch of these parts and, uh-huh. you know, put them up and see how it goes. And yeah, took off. So what is like, did, what was Cascade Components is like, what was their mainstay before this? Because I, I never heard of you guys until till the link came up. So, so yeah, we, we do a couple of other things. Um, so there's, uh, there's a mechanic, the mechanical engineering, like contracted design part of the company. Uh-huh. Uh, and then dive scooters. Um, that's actually how everything started was, was dive scooters. Um, which yeah, for those who aren't, aren't familiar with them, uh, they, they pretty much look like torpedoes and uh-huh. divers hold on to them for, you know, self propulsion, um, uh, okay. while on longer dives or just for fun. <laughs> uh-huh. So are you, are you an engi- uh, mechanical engineer yourself? Yep. Where, where'd you go to school? University of Washington. Oh, right on. So you've been up in the PNW all, all along then, huh? Yep. This is where I'm from. So how long have you been riding? I have been riding. I I don't know when I learned to ride a mountain bike a long or well, learned a bike a long time ago. Uh, yeah. I, I first started really mountain biking, I guess you could say when I was 12. Um, uh-huh. So I've been mountain biking for 18 years then. Oh wow! Right on. So you've been been at it for a, for a minute, huh? So um, <clears throat> originally you were riding a nomad, and so you just start thinking about like like you weren't happy with the way that the suspension felt, or like you just couldn't get it dialed in right, or uh, I mean, you got a pretty plush bike. It wasn't so much that I wasn't happy with it. It was I just felt like messing around with it. I, I guess there are trails around here where you get up to the top and you wish you had a downhill bike. Um, mm-hmm. So I was kind of still am on this quest for how can you pedal a downhill bike Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> to the, to the top of trails so that I can rip downhill bike laps where you can't shuttle or don't have lifts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't that I was necessarily displeased with the bike. I just wanted to mess around with it and yeah, the results yeah. were pretty sweet. <laughs> So then instantly you're, you're kind of like, okay, well, I met a couple of people of your friends that were like interested, or you were like, they were riding the same kind of bike or instantly you were like, you know, we can machine this for a couple other bikes or kind of, how did it start growing from there? Uh, so the, the first time really where, where it was like, oh, this like, you know, to actually become a real product was there's a, a, a bike shop, um, called downhill zone over in Issaquah that I. I frequent, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I was there talking to him and, and he, he was like, yeah, like this is, you know, something that like, I could see a lot of people wanting to, you know, mess around with if they had the option, you know, and you, mm-hmm. you should consider, you know, just doing a batch of them. And he was like, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in picking one up for sure. Um, and so, yeah, we just, I, I kind of sat on it for a little bit and rode the link more and, you know, talk to some more people here and there. And yeah, within, then we're just like, yes, you know, we have a little bit of downtime on the machines. Might as well just, you know, do, we started out with, it was like 50 links. Might as well just make 50 nomad links and mm-hmm. see if, see if they sell. <laughs> and how, how did that play out? They went pretty quick or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they, so they went quick for then compared to now. Like, I mean, uh, obviously the company's a lot bigger. The cascade uh-huh. side has grown a lot. 
So yeah, I mean, slow sales compared to now, but for, you know, just making, you know, one link and no one knowing about it at all, uh -huh. they, they went pretty quick. So it was pretty much like right through that shop is kind of what, how, how it started out or like instantly did you guys put it up online and just kind of word of mouth spread or? Um, yeah, we, we put it up online, um, word of mouth. Um, I don't really know exactly how it started to spread entirely. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. It just kind of started going. I, I know people have been talking about it on forums here and there, uh, -huh. uh that sort of thing, but yeah, no, we, we sometimes wonder like, well, we'll see, you know, one day we'll get like, you know, a surprisingly large number of orders for one link in particular. And we try and mm -hmm. figure out like, why are a bunch of people buying, you know, this link or this link on any given day? Like, it seems like it should be related. Yeah. But yeah. That's always really odd. Like sometimes I notice that even with like my channel, it'll be like, like three different people, like ask the same question on like three different videos that are like, not related at all and you're like how does that it's like the world is just weird that way sometimes right <laughs> yeah so so when you were like originally thinking about this like um i'm not super techie so on like all the geometry stuff was it just like oh well i think if i move this by a couple millimeters and it's gonna like how what is it doing like how is it working um so yeah i i guess so i we don't use uh, like the linkage design software um, mm -hmm. that a lot of people do, which that stems from me just kind of liking to do math, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oddly enough. Uh, so I, I I made a bunch of equations essentially for like for the it, first it was the VPP layout and now I have stuff for everything. Um, but yeah, so so just like through through doing those equations, you get a, a really good sense of like how each dimension changes each aspect, you know, mm -hmm. of, of the kinematics pretty specifically. Um, so you're just kind of looking at like curves and which way yeah, they go and how, how fast they ramp up. Yeah, and and just I mean, some links, you know, you're you're doing fractions of a millimeter. Some you're doing, you know. Like, I, I think the biggest difference is there's one where we move a pivot like 10 millimeters. Um, it's a oh, pretty wow. wide range. Santa Cruz links, for example, uh, small differences on those. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, just a bunch of a bunch of iteration, you know, looking at the curves, getting the curves to look exactly how I think I want them to look, and then making a prototype and actually writing the prototype and making sure mm -hmm. it actually rides the way that it's expected to ride. Mm hmm. So at this point, like, so you can basically just do it mathematically. And just by looking at that, you're, you're understanding like, oh, this is going to change the ride this much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so mathematically, yeah, I, I can tell a lot um, mm -hmm. messing around with the curves. Um, but I mean, there's always that unknown, you know, until you put it on the trail. Mm hmm. So you, did you start out just with like the Santa Cruz line, just cause like that's, that's what you had. And did you do like, did you just go to other Santa Cruz bikes initially, or did you then right away? Like, okay, well this, I got the Santa Cruz one. I'm going to try an Ibis next or something like that. Like what is the, what was the, the kind of like the progression that you went about that way? So yeah, it, it started out with Santa Cruz stuff and stuck with Santa Cruz stuff for a bit. Um, and part of that was, 
just, you know, having done it before, you know, you can, you can essentially do it again. Right. Right. With a different Santa Cruz, you know, model, you can change the kinematics. However, well, in the certain way that, you know, we've chose to do it, which is more progression with, you know, some added travel depending on the bike. Uh Um, And the other big thing actually is the, uh, the machining side of it. Um, Going, you know, from say like a nomad link to a mega tower link, uh, Mm -hmm. you already have a lot of the legwork done with the machining, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the whole like machining strategy essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to change. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to like get, get the prototype link out and get a production ready program done and whatnot. Uh huh. As opposed to, you know, going into other brands, you're kind of starting from from scratch. So when when Cascade was really small, that that actually helped a lot. Um, you know, having having like links to do. Um, uh huh. And then once once things started to take off, was when we you know branched out. So you're just like hitting up your buddies. You're like, hey, you got a fifty ten. You can mind mind if I try this? And like they tested yeah. out or that that was how it started. Yeah, it was pretty much just like finding bikes that, you know, I knew someone who had the bike or could get a good deal on the bike. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds super fun. So um, I was telling you before we started that I, I put the link on last night. I saw somebody in the comments saying that they'd be afraid to like um, mess with their suspension and they're going to mess something up. And honestly, it was like a super in- easy install. I have the, the it on the tall boy v4 and we were pretty drunk when we did it and we still didn't mess anything up so <laughs> it was one of those late nights like man we just drank a bunch of beer and for some reason i'm gonna take my bike apart now and put this thing on and uh and we put it on and everything was like super easy i mean obviously it's like you guys have the bearings and everything already in it so it's not even like you have to like press bearings or anything and um then we took out, or I took it out and rode it today. And um, like I was telling you, like definitely right, right off the first drop that I took, it definitely felt like it was more suspension there than that was there that that was there before. Like I felt the way that it ramped up instead of like being a little bit more jarring because this is a, a 120 travel bike. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm a pretty big guy. I'm like 250 right now. So it's not like I'm like, I'm working the suspension. You know what I mean? And and, and uh, it definitely felt like right away I was like, man, that, that maybe that's in my head, you know? And the next couple and the next that I hit, it was like, no, no, that's definitely, it feels like more more squishy, you know? And, uh, and I remember distinctively as well, like on the chatter, it really felt like that high-speed chatter that my wheel just felt more planted. And uh, I was really impressed. I honestly was... I didn't know what to expect before um, before I, I went out and rode it. I mean, I've seen a few people talk about the link online, and um, but I I basically what I had heard is like, hey, it makes you feel like you have more suspension. You know, what's the um, what is it that that uh, like if you're if somebody's asking you, you know, like, what's the link do? What would you, how would you explain it? Like it, the 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 short easy version, you know. Short, easy version. Um, <laughs> all right, so I guess short, easy version, uh, the way I look at it, um, it's essentially like uh, 
So if there's a certain spring rate that you need to get the bottom out resistance that you want, that happens to be higher than what gives, you know, say about 30% sag. So it's, it's riding high with the spring rate that gets you the bottom out resistance. So it's resistance. So it's kind of chattery. Um, mm -hmm. doesn't really track as well and whatnot. Um, throwing the link on it, it makes that like stiffer setup feel really supple off the top. And then as it ramps up, it gives you the support of that stiffer spring towards mm -hmm. the bottom of travel. What do you think the reason is that the manufacturers aren't meant like making their link, like similar to what yours is already? Like, why is there this, this need, you know? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is, that's one that there could be a lot of answers for, you know? Uh -huh. Um, I mean, they, they have, they're designing bikes for some demographic that, uh, you know, I, I don't know necessarily what it is yeah, uh, or, or where in the world it is, what kind of, so, you know, like what kind of trails that demographic yeah. is on, you know, geographically speaking. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, I, yeah. I would assume that, you know, they, there's something they've opted. I mean, there has to be something they've optimized it for, right? You know? Right, right. And yeah, I always think, you know, and it's funny you said geographically too, because like, I mean, like the Bronson, for example, my understanding was that was made. So like the guy that, that worked at Santa Cruz, like lives up in Downeyville and he wanted a bike that would just like rip those trails really well, you know? So, and I think the same thing is like, you go down to like Arizona where pivots big and it's like, they're building those bikes for those kind of trails, you know, and everybody's ripping that same bike, you know? And so it, I guess I didn't even really think about it more like geographically, but it's interesting that, um, you know, that there's something, something like that. Have you heard anything, uh, um, about like, like response from the bike companies themselves in, in, in like, as far as your product goes, like, is it they're stoked or not stoked or who knows? all over the board yeah totally depends yeah yeah there there are some that are cool with it there are some that are definitely not cool with it <laughs> that so um are they is there is there anything like people should be worried about like in, like their warranty or anything like that or uh i mean that's that is that's up to the manufacturer of the frame uh the way yeah. we see it you know we we do our due diligence, uh, you know, to, to make sure that everything works as intended and isn't, you know, going to cause any issues. Um, but you know, we, we can't, we can't make a warranty decision. Yeah, that. no, I totally understand. So, that. so that's, you know, whenever people ask that, it's like, we, we wish we could be the one to give you the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, like, there's some companies where it's like it's pretty cut and clear and then there are others where it's not um mm -hmm. you know and we don't want to tell someone you know like oh yeah we talked like there are these handful of people that have heard you know their their warranty is still valid and then mm -hmm. they call up and their warranty isn't yeah you know? yeah i mean I don't know how it would like really play into the warranty. I guess if somebody broke their frame and then they would just be like, is that then the manufacturer saying, Oh, well, it's this aftermarket link putting stress on the frame in a different yeah. spot or something like that. Or, I mean, there, you know, that there's a lot of hand waving going on 
right. you know, there with, with that stance. Um, and I, I get that they haven't tested it and whatnot. Um, yeah. But like, if you look at like the world of like automotive stuff, uh, yeah. you know, where there's aftermarket things left and right, you can go throw some crazy, you know, aftermarket control arm kit on on your truck and go rip it around and your warranty's fine unless that part specifically causes something to fail and in that case even i mean with the automotive world um the burden of proof supposedly falls on the manufacturer that's denying the warranty right but that's yeah not i mean i have all kinds of aftermarket stuff on my truck it's like yeah. they, they didn't come back to me and be like oh your engine's all screwed up because of this throttle body you put on yeah, yeah, right. yeah, they're not going to come to you with that. Right. But like, if your throttle body uh, that you put on happens to fly apart, right? And, you know, trash something else. Then I mean, right. you're going to be like, yeah, you, you put a you know part on that broke. That's not you know our responsibility. So sorry. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely interesting. It's uh, it's one of those things where. I don't know. I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think at the end of the day, you know, some companies, it's probably them just trying to be control of their product or something like that. I yeah, was, I mean, uh, that, that makes sense too. Like, I mean, you, it, you know, no one would want to see a flood of warranty claims because of some part out there that they, they don't understand um, yeah. or haven't tested, but you know, we get a lot of emails from our, our customers. I, I can't, can't say we've had really like any crazy reports like that where like one of our links that we thought was fine turns out to to not be fine yeah yeah so um yeah i i personally like i don't really see how it would affect it that much but i'm i'm no no engineer so i'm sure somebody has some kind of reasoning behind it or not but at the end of the day for me it was a matter of making my bike feel better and and it's done that so i think for the cost to um what's the retail on are they all the same the links uh varies uh it's based off of machine time and the amount of material required mostly mm -hmm. so yeah some of them are more some of them are less yeah so it's like what's the spread like like three four five hundred dollars or uh low side the least expensive link, I think, is 206. Uh -huh. um, and the most expensive is, I want to say, 380. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. I, I believe, I, don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so basically, you're looking at about two to two to four hundred dollars, basically, regard of which bike you have. And then at this point, I mean, when I went on the website, you have a, a lot of different bikes, not every bike out there, but there's definitely, definitely a lot of bikes on there um what is are you just continuing to try like test new bikes or like is there a decision like how is it that you go about deciding which which bike you're going to try next is it just like oh that one's selling good let's check it out or is there something that you look at and you're like oh well i can see that suspension design is gonna play well with my ideas um yeah so we we definitely try we stick to things where we know we can do what what we want uh we're, we're not trying to make parts that are you know just like so that you can have an anodized you know piece of aluminum on your bike right. um, 
so yeah, it's things where we know we can make 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 a link that makes a difference. Uh, we, we try and pick bikes where we see some sort of, you know, demand for it. Um, mm -hmm. We're not going to make a link for a bike that doesn't need it or for a bike that no one rides. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I guess part of like part of the whole cost thing is is being able to distribute the development cost um, mm -hmm. across enough links where that isn't, you know, an insurmountable number. Uh, a custom link would be very, very expensive. So if we did a link for a bike where we'd only ever sell one, then, you know, right. we'd be prepared for a really expensive link. Um, <laughs> How long does it take to make, like, like in that design process? Uh, it, it varies bike to bike. Um, mm -hmm. We've got the Santa Cruz ones down pretty quick. Um, uh, if I had to put a number on it, though, it's hard to say. Like um, the the total number of hours might might end up being anywhere from. Hmm, I mean, are you guys working on it for like a month, or does it take more, like six months, or? It's like probably about like two months, I would two say is, is the average right now. Uh -huh. um, but it, it's not necessarily like two, two months worth of consecutive, you know, yeah. days, right. Cause like testing's one of the things that like that, that usually takes up a decent amount of time just because you can't go ride your bike every single, you know, work right. day necessarily. So right, right. testing might end up take taking double the amount of time. So like, you only spend two months worth of time, you know, designing and machining and, and whatnot um, mm -hmm. and, and getting everything production ready. But then it, you know, might take three months to, to actually get the link out or maybe four. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or, Go ahead. Uh, or like the, uh, the brake calipers. Um, those things have been, what is it? Uh, three quarters of a year uh-huh i want to say what made you decide to do that i i thought that was interesting i saw those that you guys had down that sea otter which was pretty rad that you're for the people that don't know and and please correct me if i if i say something wrong but essentially you re-engineered the code caliper to so that it was your own and now it's it, so it works with the code brake lever but it's uh, supposed to be, I think they said 25% stronger. Is that what it is? 20% stronger. 20%, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was just another one where, I don't know, I, I'm always trying to, to tweak things. Um, and I've, I've tried a whole bunch of breaks out there. I know people love to, to hate on, on SRAM and their <laughs> products. Um, but to be perfectly honest, they're really easy to bleed. Once they're bled correctly, they're generally pretty reliable. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, after trying all these other breaks, uh, where I had some okay experiences, some really scary experiences, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of ended up back on codes. I'd, I'd ridden SRAM stuff for a while, um, before trying out all these other breaks and yeah, ended up back on codes, but then still going oh, I actually want my breaks to be more powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want them to pretty much be codes that are more powerful. So it turned into, well, I'll just make a code caliper that's more powerful and there you go. <laughs> so what makes a brake more powerful? Is it just like the 
the so like biggest by, by, more, by more powerful uh what what we're saying is for for a given amount of like finger force uh the brake will generate 20 percent more actual like force at the rotor uh -huh. um, so because like the amount of traction you have is always the amount of traction you have uh you just don't have to squeeze as hard to right. you know, for a certain amount of braking right um, and that's just based off of in this case based off of piston size so that's what it is okay that's what i yeah. was thinking it was yeah so it's the bigger the piston and the more contact space that it can push onto the onto the rotor basically yeah, yeah i'm a i'm a, a shimano guy and i think it's just because I, i'll be honest like i had some i think there were codes at the time srams and i didn't really have a problem with the braking power so much it was just more like it seemed like the SRAM system for a guy my size, like they would heat up and glaze the pads like really quick. And then they just get noisy. And I'd always be like sanding the pads or buying new pads. And like, it, I don't seem to have the same problem with, with the Shimano stuff. And I like the, I just like the bite of the Shimano a little bit better. I don't know. Like, yeah, the, I mean, the, the feel is always going to be what the feel is. There's, yeah, we, we have those like little brake cams that make the, the codes guide uh and that's the code rsc and the guide rsc um uh -huh. the ones that use the swing link uh it makes them bite a little bit quicker and not have as much lever throw but i mean it's still like yeah. still feels like a sram break yeah yeah and i can understand like why people enjoy what they enjoy you, you know what i mean like for me i just i i feel like I don't know. They just seem that they seem to be better. I think Shimano has a better way of like dissipating their heat. I don't know what it is. If it's just, you know, their pads, their, their, I feel like their rotors, the ice text, like definitely do a really good job of that, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, pad compound is a little bit of it. Uh, thicker rotors deal with heat better too, but I think the, the uh, Shimano ones are the same or roughly yeah. the same thickness. The ice tech is interesting. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do like a real test as far as like heat dissipation with that rotor yeah. goes. But I mean, the, the con like conceptually, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. It's definitely, um, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, like I think people like to joke around about more on the trail and then actually like think about why, you know what I mean? But, uh, like, like the SRAM definitely has like way more of a softer pool. And to me, yes. I, I'm, I, I guess probably because I've used Shimano for a longer period of my life, I was used to that like bite point being like off and on. And to me, like people are like, oh, there's no modulation. I'm like, well, your brain is the modulator. Dude. So like, you know, like you get to, you get to decide how much you pull the brake or you don't, you know? And, and I guess it's just the way that some people ride compared to others. I don't know. Yeah. I think that the reason that the SRAM feel works for me is that like the way I have my levers set up, I, I don't run them very close to the bar um, mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, so it's not like I'm running into issues where my fingers are pulled too far in. And then, yeah, once you get like, once you're used to that feel, which I, yeah. I, I am used to that feel, then it's, yeah, it, it's not weird. You know, like, it, like you were saying, you, your your fingers are the modulation. That's, I mean, I, I don't feel like I, I'm squeezing to a different point in the stroke, in the yeah. lever stroke to get the modulation. It's just I squeeze them as hard as I, I need to squeeze them for a certain amount of braking. And, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and in some cases, I'm squeezing them as hard as I can possibly do it. And then I get to the bottom of the hill. I'm like, why the hell are my hands hurting so bad? Oh, that's it. <laughs> so I saw that you um, that you guys did like a mullet link for the high tower. What, um, yeah. what does what does that do? Like, how, how are you changing the ability to have a different si wheel size by just the link? I mean, it, so that one, it, all the mullet links do, all any mullet link really does is it, it pushes the axle. You know, like down in its axle path so that the rear end sits a little bit higher to accommodate the smaller mm -hmm. wheel so that's all that 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 one does it happens um you know as a byproduct of getting the wheel into that position and trying to keep the progression similar um mm -hmm. it adds that one oh, i forget the number off my the top of my head it's like 10 millimeters of travel um, mm -hmm. that it adds and yeah it's that's just trying to correct geometry um, so that, you know, if you just throw the little wheel on, then all of a sudden your bike's super slacked out and super low. Mm -hmm. How does it add, add suspension? Like, I mean, you're not changing your shock. Like how does it actually add more, more suspension in that, in that case? Like I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't understand that. So the, I think the, the, uh, more like physical, uh, way I would put it or like a hands-on way would be, so you, by tweaking the leverage curve, you're, you're making it so that for a certain amount that the lower link rotates, the wheel moves more mm -hmm. is, is kind of what it's doing. Um, so like if, if your wheel moves or let's say your, uh, your link rotates 10 degrees with the less progressive, like, uh, link that 10 degree movement might, might correlate to, I don't know, let's, let's say an even 10 millimeters of travel versus mm -hmm. when you make it more, more, uh, I, I guess you with like the mullet link, you're, you're increasing the leverage ratio. So when the leverage ratio is increased for that, you know, 10 degree rotation, it might move at 15 millimeters. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. So it's not like the, the shock's not moving any more or less. It's actually just how much movement of the tire it is then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, so the mathematical explanation is wheel travels actually the integral of leverage ratio. Um, so if you integrate the leverage ratio function, that gives you total wheel travel. Um, so that like, if, if you visualize the area underneath the like leverage curve, mm -hmm. uh, that's actually how much travel the bike has. So mm -hmm. if you look at the mullet link leverage curve at all times, it's higher than the other leverage curves. So that means it has more travel. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Do you think you're going to do one for a tall boy? Tall boy? We have a tall boy one. Oh, oh I didn't know you mullet did. link. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like it would be <laughs> um, really fun. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, if we did one for the tall boy, it would be an upper link, most likely, uh -huh. uh, just for clearance reasons. Uh -huh. um, the thing with mullet links is, uh, so they're they're super fun if you have the wheel around uh -huh. uh, and can just you know mix and match parts and. And whatnot if you don't have a smaller wheel as soon as you start looking into the cost of getting a smaller wheel uh it's a pretty expensive experiment yeah 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 you, just to see if you like it yeah it's like okay if you got to put you know a 300 dollars link on to correct geometry i mean you don't have to correct correct geometry but let's say you're going to right you right dollar link and then i don't i don't know how much a rear wheel costs these days to be perfectly honest um what yeah, are like 100 and hubs are 250 and yeah 
it ends up being, I don't know, let's say $500 for a wheel. Yeah, probably get yeah. something built. Yeah, decent, half decent. And that's if you're not going carbon, right? You yeah. Know? yeah, for a half, half decent aluminum wheel, then yeah. So next thing you know, you're looking at, you know, at least $800 yeah. just to try a mullet setup. Um, so but I think for people that, like, there's people out there, you know, like, like me, for example, that have, you know, multiple bikes. So like the idea of like, hey, I, I really like the way this bike rides. And I think it'd be more playful in that manner. Like it'd be easy for me because I have a Bronson. So that's like, oh, I could just take that wheel off yeah. and throw it on and try to give it a shot. And like, I don't know. I am like, I, I don't know um, what's wheel size. Which, what wheel size do you ride? Is 29 or 27.5? The, uh, all of them. <laughs> all of them, yeah. The, the Enduro like, setup is a mullet. Um, yeah. I have like, I mean, obviously the Nomad's 27.5, 27.5. Spire's yeah. 29, Hightower's 29. Yeah. All over. <laughs> Yeah, I have that. Um, I, I I like riding my tall boy, the twenty, you know, as a twenty nine er, and um, I just definitely like. I'm not one of those people that's in the twenty nine er camp that I I really enjoy that twenty seven five bike more. Like when I get on it, it's just more fun to like throw it around and like the way that it whips through stuff, and I just I I just feel like way more at home on that twenty seven five wheel size. And it's like I bought the tall boy because I want it to be different, but then I'm like, I slowly want to change it not to be different. <laughs> so who knows, right? It's funny how that um, stuff works out. <laughs> how are you how are you enjoying the mullet setup on your bike? I I mean, so for what I do with it, I I love it. Um I mean, like like you were saying, the smaller wheels are a little bit easier to whip around. Um mm -hmm. And especially with me not being the largest individual uh, and there being a lot of tight trails around here, it's kind of nice. Um, it, I mean, it's a middle ground between the two. It is a middle ground on everything though. So like it, it definitely doesn't roll as fast on like lower angle chunky stuff. Um, but on the flip side, I, I do find it easier to whip through tight corners at speed, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still feel like 29ers, like I've ridden a, a handful of them at this point, and like I just feel like they're definitely way better than they were when, I, when they first came out. But you can definitely, I don't know, I just feel like like the bike picks a little bit more of the line than it does on a 27.5. That's the best way I can say it. Like I feel like sometimes I come into like some chunky stuff and it's like, well, that's the way I'm going. I'm just monster trucking over this, you know, where like with the, the 27.5, it's just like a little more twitchy. So it's like, you can really like, especially on like the real chunky stuff. I don't really notice it much whenever it's, you know, just normal trail riding kind of stuff. But like when something's like really chunky, I just feel like I don't have as much control of where the bike goes. I don't know. Does that sound logical to you or I don't know? <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It I think part of that might might be the like the geometry for the 29 bike versus the 27 five um because like mm -hmm. one thing i i try and wrap my head around still is is like you know is this a, a difference in wheel size that's making these bikes feel different or is it actually that you know this like smaller wheel bike like let's say the 5010 um mm -hmm. that'd be the 27 five counterpart to the tall boy um right you know i i think that bike is intended to be 
more flickable and mm-hmm. kind of easier to to jump all over. Um, so part of me thinks some of it's wheel size. Part of me thinks some of it's geometry. It's yeah. probably a combination of the two. <laughs> probably right. My lady has a fifty ten, and I I've always wanted to ride it, and I, for some reason I never do. <laughs> You just Dude. reminded me of that. I was like, man, that's right. I mean, I have one right here in the garage. Why have I never ridden that bike? <laughs> They're really fun. Yeah. I mean, if, like if I was going to pick a kind of, would that be like a trail? It's not a cross country bike, but like no. kind of like trail bike to race. Yeah. I, I think the, the tall boy is faster, uh, but like we have some spots around here where it's just more fun to ride the 5010. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, because because they're not places where you get fun out of all out speed. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I know exactly what you mean there. I mean, the, the 29ers definitely shine where where you're being peddly. You know, that, at least that's where I feel like it, it, you know, it really shines the most where it's like, oh, wow, I can really like jam through these like peddly spots. Yeah. And at a higher cadence, you know. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's not the full picture, you know. Yeah. Like, like rampage just happened people are running mullets except they're 26 in the back and 27 five up front <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make everything difficult that's the yeah, marketing for uh what three years from now right it'll be like yeah, no the mullet yeah. you have is not the good one anymore 26 <laughs> is coming back baby <laughs> i mean from like from a trick standpoint that definitely makes sense because you know inertia is like proportional to diameters or radius squared diameter radius, same thing, whatever. Um, so they just put a small wheel on there so that you can spin the bike like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so what, what, uh, which one of the bikes that you've worked on actually ended up being more difficult than you expected it to be? More difficult. And mm, I think about this for a second. Uh, um i would say the uh the i the ibis the uh, the ritmo uh, mm-hmm. and the uh, the pivot switchblade yeah um and then potentially the enduro um just because those are bikes where there are a lot of clearance things to take into consideration um would the so switch really blade that, that like tiny little lower links really nested in there uh-huh. um and it took a number of tries to make sure that it didn't contact the frame throughout travel. Cause you, you put the first one on and it hits in one spot. So then you tweak it. So it doesn't hit there. And then it hits a little bit deeper in travel. So you make another one. Yeah. 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 Ones where it's really tight like that. You just, you get it as close as like you design it. So you think it'll clear. And then uh-huh. if it doesn't clear, you just, you fix that and do another one and, yeah. So those ones are, are just, they're harder from a time standpoint. Uh-huh. Do your links tend to like weigh the same as like the manufacturer wink link or wink link, or is it like, uh, is it in some cases heavier or lighter or um, does that even matter? <laughs> for, so most of the links, it's pretty much the same. Uh-huh. Um, there are a couple of links that are definitely heavier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some that are also lighter. Uh, just because, so everyone's heard about the, uh, the V1 Sentinel link. Um, 
it seems that's like one of our most popular ones by far. And, mm -hmm. and that one is significantly heavier because um, mm -hmm. it's just bigger and it's not carbon. Um, so because of that, a lot of people assume that all of the links are just way heavier. Mm -hmm. um, but they're generally speaking, they're not, they're, they're about the same. And to be honest, I, you know, people are like, Oh, like if you did a blind test, no one had noticed the difference between links, you know, in terms of how they perform, which I don't think that's true at all. Uh, I do think if you did a blind test in terms of weight, no one would notice the difference. Uh, yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you there. I mean, yeah. I definitely noticed the difference in my bike. There was not a, like a placebo to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and like weight wise, like a, we're talking about like a water bottle on your bike, yeah. you know, or, or some of them it's like, Oh, it's this much heavier. Okay. Well then like, don't take a cliff bar along with you. Uh, yeah. yeah, I always joke around about that. You want to save like two grand on your bike, dude, like shave your beard, man. It's like yeah. the same amount of weight. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, and I was thinking, you know, if anything, like, honestly, if it was a little heavier, depending on the bike, I guess, like where the Santa Cruz, like where the, the link is real low on the bike. Like if you're adding weight to the middle and low, I don't really think that's going to hurt any, like if anything, like, I don't know, like when I rode a zero, they have that big old gearbox in there, like all that weight right in the middle of the bike. It made the thing feel like, like it was like, had a keel on turns. You know what I mean? Like you were just stuck to the ground. Yeah. Like, this is rad. You know? So. Yeah. I mean, the Santa Cruz ones, those happen to be the ones where it's pretty much break even. Um, yeah. yeah. Or like plus or minus a few grams, depending on the Santa Cruz link. Uh-huh. But so at Cascade, um, you guys do these links and now you have these brakes. Is there other products that you do as well for bikes? Um, I mean, so right now we're sticking to the links and the brakes. We're going to see how the brakes play out, see if we want to mm -hmm. do any more brake stuff. Um, because I, I do think, you know, with like the past five years, brake rotor size has just exploded and brake power has been a little bit stagnant in comparison. So, you know, I, I feel like increasing the power for, for other brakes is something that could be beneficial as well. Um, but we're going to see how these, these ones do before we dive into that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I, there, there are I'm always big... other things, but you know, they, they might not see the light of day. Right. Um, Cause like some, like, let's see, for example, like, yeah, I, I like to make like uh, seat post clamps, um, mm -hmm. for my bikes just because I can, and it's kind of amusing. I can engrave whatever I want on them, yeah, um, yeah. but we're not, not going to sell those because I mean, it'd be a very expensive seat post clamp. Right. All those have to do is clamp your seat. <laughs> yeah. 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 That makes sense there. If, if you want to re-engineer something on the bike that would like change people's lives, I feel like that stupid clamp that holds your seat to the freaking post is like the worst freaking design in my, every time I take my seat on or off, I just want to punch somebody. Like, I'm like, why is this so hard to like, why can't they just make like a quick release system that I can just pop it open, take it and then, and take it off and put it back right back to where I wanted it to be. It doesn't seem like it needs to be so difficult, you know? And especially now, like, like you have your dropper, right? You have to take your seat off to like put more air in it every once in a while. And you're like, oh God, I don't care. I was telling my buddy on the trail today, 
Like I could put tape on there. I can scratch little lines in it. And every time you take your seat off, it takes like three or four rides to get it to back to like where you're happy with it. You know what I mean? Like I literally ride with an Allen key in my pocket for like the first two rides just so I can like try to get it right again. So I don't know. Definitely fix the seat post clamp. You'll make millions. I'm telling you, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though. Now that you say that I, I could see it being kind of nice. If you just had like a really, really small, like, you know, ring that just clamped onto the seat post so that you could just slide it down to that exact spot every single time. And, right be good to go yeah i just feel like there's like an easier way I, I and i think there's a couple of companies that have done a different one i want to say like the fox post might have a different like mounting mechanism than the the traditional like two screws and the little spinny part or whatever you want to say whatever you want to call it but like i don't know man i just feel like something is like not right there <laughs> you know what i mean it just it's just aggravating at least for me it is and maybe everybody else is like no seats are fine i'm like i don't know you can't get your allen key in there right then you're trying to like move it you're trying not to scratch your freaking dropper it's just it, i don't know it's definitely it gets you the adjustment that you need and it gets you in a way that's simple but it happens that all your adjustments are combined into you know two screws so you can't change just one at a time yeah which yeah, it, it, I completely agree. If you're taking your seat on and off, it's a huge pain. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like everything else seems to be pretty getting dialed, you know, or like better or whatever. And it's like, I mean, like like grips, for example, like when Lock Allen grips came out, that was like, this is amazing. I can't tell you how many grips, like as a kid, you know, trying to slide grips on the bar and like everybody had their secret trick of like, oh, you put dish soap in there, you put this on there. And it's like, it was always a pain in the ass. And then those came out. It's like, oh, wow, this is great. And they actually stay there. You know, I feel like that that same revolution can happen with the seat and everybody will be happier with their lives. <laughs> so, uh, so what, um, hang on, I saw something up here. Um, somebody's asking, what bike do you think benefits the most from the Cascade Link? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Right? <laughs> uh <laughs> All the ones that we sell. <laughs> so I, I would say, I would say the V1 Transition Sentinel. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick one, at least from my point of view. Is that the bike that comes with the coil? What's that? Is that the bike that comes with the coil already? Uh, there have been different renditions of it. it uh, mostly came with a DPX two. Um, okay. I'm thinking of a different bike. I'm gonna look it but, up. No, then they did the on coil version of it, which definitely could use some progression. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, that one's kind of hard to say because it, it a little bit depends on what people are going for. For some people, one bike might a different bike might be a bigger difference. Um, the Kona process link that one's a pretty big difference too. Um, I mean, personally, I felt like the Nomad Link was a, a huge difference because the first time I rode that thing, I was like, whoa, what have I done? <laughs> right. You were super stoked. Yeah, it what was that, crazy. What did that feel like <laughs> to like actually go from like this idea to having this thing in your hand? I mean, 
you, the first time you machine it, it you're super paranoid you're going to scrap the part because it takes a while to do the prototype but then once it's done it's like whoa and it's installed correctly there's no clearance issues and mm -hmm. yeah and then i mean after the first one you know it's like oh i've done this before but yeah the, the first time around it was like it was like whoa this really works <laughs> yeah yeah how about that math that math stuff really works out man what do you know get you to the moon and change your bike geometry <laughs> yeah, no it, it, it really was crazy like there's I, the first time i took it out for a ride there's this you know local trail that's kind of like it's a good mix of like high speed with some jumps and then like some little bits of tech here and there and there's one particular spot where you you go off this drop after like a, there's a steep roll into a drop and then you land on some chunky rocks and like you know usually it was just kind of getting bobbled around trying to break for the catch berm and the mm -hmm. first time i rode that link down that trail or the first time i rode it all because that was the first time it was like oh my god it is so composed going into this catch berm i can slow down like way more than i need to <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, it's, it was it's definitely interesting today, like riding and, and keeping that in mind that um, that that change was there. Do you think it, it does it do anything as far as like affect the way that a bike would climb? Um, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Um, personally, I don't really feel a difference climbing with any of the links. Um, one thing people definitely need to watch out for, though is the amount of sag you're running that is pretty heavily correlated to how it pedals um mm -hmm. you know you want it to sit in a certain anti-squat range which with most bikes is right around 30 percent sag um but when you change the leverage curve you're changing how much sag at the wheel 30 percent at the shot gets you um, uh -huh. and you're changing the amount of pressure the spring rate that you need to so when whenever we hear people say oh this bike pedals super sluggish now uh the first thing we always say is you know double check your sag um and and if you know let's say you're you were at 30 before and you're at 30 now you still you might actually want to go a little bit less just to get the sag at the wheel to be the same because mm -hmm. um, that's really what matters for the anti-squat curve is is the sag at the wheel mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah I, didn't really, I didn't really notice anything on the climbing end of it, at least with, with mine. But I am um, sometimes it takes me a while. You know what I mean? Like I'm one of those people that I won't notice it as much when you give me something new as when you take it away. Mm -hmm. Like if I ride this bike like this for a month and then I put the old link on, then I'll notice it like way more. You, you know what I mean? Like, like that just tends to be me. Like I'll catch some things right out the gate, but like, I don't know. It just seems to be the way it really works for me. It's like, once you're like really comfortable, like you really know how it feels, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Climbing is one that I always notice right off the bat. Um, you know, if there's any difference with climbing, because once I've ridden, like, I mean, my Enduro is heavy, uh, <laughs> but I've ridden that enough now where I think it pedals fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm just accustomed to a, it's, it weighs 37 pounds. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty chunky bike. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm accustomed to that now and it pedals great. And then if yeah. I hop on something that actually pedals great, um, and you know, weighs 30 pounds, 
uh, <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is a cross country race bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I went through this process in the last year or two now. I don't even know what it's been. It's probably been two years at this point where I like wanted to stop wearing a bag ever. And, um, so now I have all this shit strapped to my bike and it's like people pick my bike up and they're like oh my god it's so freaking heavy and it's like well yeah dude i got a pump on there that has a tool in it i got a tube and you know what i mean like all this other crap strapped on there and then i'm putting water bottles on two water bottles on it you know or something like that and it's like of course it's heavy but i don't know it's just like i've really enjoyed not wearing a bag at all uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I used to think that there was no way I would never carry a camel back because I was one of those guys that like carried everything. You know what I mean? It'd be like, oh yeah, you want a zip tie? I got three sizes. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. so much stuff around all the time just in case, you know? And, and, uh, and now it's like, I have that EDC pump that has the tool in it. And um, I've been surprised, like honestly, for the last year that I've been using that, and I've been out on the trail. It really hasn't, like, no situation has come up that I've been like, oh, crap. This doesn't have what I need. You know what I mean? And if it, if it has been that situation, it's like, it's just been like a fluke kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, there's nothing that's going to fix this problem. You know, like, I just yeah. broke 10 spokes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's it, you know? So, I don't know. I, I have a, 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 a hip pack that I use sometimes just when I want to carry more water, but I've, I've really enjoyed just riding without it. It just feels like it just feels better, <laughs> but now my bike's heavy as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's not weight on the wheels. So yeah, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. One. So like what yeah what really made or has made me realize this more so than anything else is in the winter i do a lot of backcountry skiing and in that world the less weight you can have on your feet the easier by far like if if you have that weight added to your backpack it's not a big deal because it's not yeah. on your feet anymore it's the same with bikes and and wheels you know it's it's just instead of you know lifting that weight every time on your foot all it's you know you're spinning however heavy your wheel is uh, yeah, that makes sense. Which is one of the reasons why I I love I I run eleven speed on everything and like nice cassettes because they don't weigh a lot. <laughs> they don't weigh a lot. They don't weigh very much, so you keep your wheel weight down. That makes sense. You, I was... they're like, you'll see bikes come specced with like you know, like a GX twelve speed cassette weighs. It's either like point three or 0.25 pounds more than the cassette I have on my wheel. Yeah. 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 It's a fair crazy. amount of weight. Yeah. I know that's the one thing that when you're looking at, at weight of components on your bike, like the cassette is like definitely one where you're like, Oh, that's, that is way heavier than, than the, uh, the cheap or then the expensive version, you know, like if you look yeah. at like an XX one cassette compared to like an NX cassette, like how much it weighs, it's oh, like it's dramatic. Way, it's way different, but it, you know, when, when you actually like the weight or the uh, cost per gram or whatever, um, 
Mm -hmm. How expensive is that weight savings? Because you can get so much out of a cassette, I feel like it's actually a pretty good thing to, you know, to to spend money on getting light. Yeah. Plus, yeah, that one makes sense. It's sprung it's a, weight it's a, and it's rotating. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough pill to swallow, though, you know, whenever you're like, because I think like those XX1s or whatever, like they're like 600 bucks or something like that for a cassette, right? Um, they're pretty expensive. Let's, they're let's pretty expensive. We only had this tool called the internet. We could look up things. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I honestly forget what they are at retail, though. Yeah, yeah. It looks like, what's this one here? That's not an XX1. Yeah, this is like 450 for an XX1. Yeah. And I think like it's probably like 300 bucks or something like that for the Eagle. Let's look and see how much an Eagle cassette is. What do you know? Yeah, a GX Eagle is like 220. So it's like twice the price. Yeah, these things happen. I don't know. I I um I always go with the idea that if if I buy something that's cheaper and weighs more, I'm just gonna get stronger, right? <laughs> Like you only notice it for like that first part, you know, like, like you buy a new set of like lighter wheels, you're like first couple rides are like, wow, this is great. And then after you're used to it, you don't notice it anymore. You know, I, I think know. for, for, for the like downhill laps and especially for jumps, that's where it, uh, that that's where I like it at least. Um, yeah. It's not so much about the, about anything else other than it, it just, it feels better going over really choppy stuff it feels better jumping mm -hmm. that makes sense that totally makes sense yeah i was thinking i i've been running Kushcore for quite some time because um i like that sidewall stiffness and i think it's really just because because i'm a big guy you know what i mean so I, the tires react differently for me than somebody that weighs like 160 170 pounds you know and uh but I was thinking about that recently about taking, taking them out of, and riding it again for a while without them and seeing how I feel. And I think, uh, I think I'm going to do that. Um, I have a, a set of like kind of plus wheels that I'm using right now on my Bronson. And then I have another set of wheels that are envies and, uh, I broke a, a rim recently. And so it's been get, out getting rebuilt. And I think when it comes back, I'm just going to give it a shot with the way it is and see how it goes. I don't know. I yeah. usually was that. Oh, I I uh, I run Kushcore on most of my bikes. Um, yeah. And it's it's like the the slower kind of like loamy natural trails. Uh, those are the ones where I've noticed it's not you know not that apparent. Um, yeah. Versus like if you go rip bike park laps. Um, yeah. Having that little bit of damping, and some protection and sidewall support is is pretty awesome yeah i noticed it that was one of those products similar to yours like the first ride with the kush and like immediately in my corners i was like oh wow i can totally tell a difference like totally tell a difference and um but i tried their their xc version i don't know if you've tried that it it, it to me is like it doesn't do those yeah, things it's definitely not yeah. nearly yeah, I liked the idea of it at first. I was like, oh, if I can get that sidewall stiffness still and it doesn't weigh as much, like that'd be rad, you know? And um, 
but it really to me i feel like that it, it just feels like oh, okay it's like a rim protector it's not really yeah. like doing all the stuff that it did that the original one does you know i i run the xc one up front um pretty much just for rim protector actually um that makes sense because you probably don't feel it in the front tire as much anyway yeah and that's that's not the one that you're trying to tear off the wheel and corners right right exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so as um back back to the the cascade lanes what what is um what is something that you kind of had to learn the hard way along the way of uh building these links and like like a big challenge that you came up to that you kind of weren't expecting or something like that if you look back on you wish you could tell yourself how to get out of it quickly mm, i honestly I, I don't know i mean I, I think we've taken it all in stride pretty well just because we've it's something that we've kind of done before mm -hmm. you know so we like we've learned those lessons in the past yeah yeah um, I, I would say the only one that keeps popping up um, is just turnaround times on on anodized parts for us right now has just been a pain. Um, so so you, we'll, you guys are sending your stuff out to get to an anodizer to get done. You know, do yeah, it now. yeah, we don't have our own ano line. Um, yeah, because that's a whole whole other can of worms. Um, yeah, I can imagine. I. Uh, so, but I mean, that's something that like you, we we know that that's problematic. It, it's not really a surprise, mm -hmm. um, except when you know we we need something back in stock because it's gone, and then we end up waiting a month for it to show up back from Anno, and then you know people ask, oh, when's it going to be back in stock? And so, well, well, usually it's back in stock in two weeks, but two weeks happened two weeks ago. And yeah. <laughs> we don't have the parts back yet. So yeah. um that's a drag. I know my buddy uh he runs the project three two one, the hub company, and he has to, you know, always send that stuff out. And you're kinda of at the somebody else's mercy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way that things are too, I'm sure with with uh, like COVID just screwing everything up, it's like it trickles down into all these other places, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What would you like to see, like, uh, Cascade components be? Like, you, you think that, you know, hey, you got a good niche with the, adjusting the linkages and not just stick with that? Or would you like to, like, in your mind, you know, have somebody like Santa Cruz be like, you know what? We want you to make all of our links. Um, Boy, I, I mean, I think we're doing pretty good as it is now. There are a whole range of, you know, projects that would be cool to, to take on. And I mean, we're, like I said before, there's a portion of the company that does like mechanical engineering design work. So like if, you know, if anyone wanted to have us do kinematics work for them, I mean, we'd, we'd be more than, than happy to work something out. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be really cool to, to do links for like a world cup downhill team that doesn't have like that factory support where mm -hmm. they can, you know, just hit up whoever sponsors their team and go, Hey, I want, you know, these custom links. Um, I yeah. think that's a really fun project. Yeah. 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 So you could like, in that case, you would be like, like dialing it in for the specific rider, like what they want rather than kind of trying to be a little bit more 
generic for like everybody or something like that? Yeah. I mean, like we, we definitely like we aim the links towards, you know, a specific group of riders, but being able to get even more specific than that. Yeah. Um, would, like, is I there something that you would do different for somebody like, like me, that's like a heavy rider compared to somebody that's not like, would there be some kind of cha design change that, that wouldn't be beneficial? Uh, so, well, one that would be really cool to be able to do for heavy riders, which wouldn't necessarily work with every single bike is if you could tweak the linkages so that you got the same amount of travel and progression, but had a longer shock installed, um, that would make a world of difference. Oh yeah. I see what you're saying then. Yeah. Like if, if you had like, you know, let's say your 170 millimeter enduro bike that comes with a 65 millimeter stroke shock. And then there was a version of it for heavier riders where it was a 75 millimeter stroke shock. Um, that would, I mean, that, that would be way, way better for a heavier rider. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Hmm. There you go. Now you got something to work on next week, right? <laughs> Hard thing is you need a frame where there's a shock extender and, and enough room to put a you know massive shock on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah everything is designed pretty tight on those things nowadays <laughs> compared to how it used to be. Yeah, and the newer bikes keep getting tighter and tighter. It seems. Yeah, yeah, def definitely is. So, it's um, it's interesting. It's definitely um. it's 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 changing all the time you know and like and then you're looking at stuff like what is, isn't it scott that just brought out they have like the, they're like shocks like inside the frame now yeah which is kind of crazy it looks really clean though <laughs> have you ridden one of those i haven't ridden one like I, that. no i haven't ridden one i haven't yeah, even I mean, seen one in person yeah, I saw that at sea otter i saw one i was like wow that's it's kind of crazy to see so let's see here Somebody says, is there a force feedback to the shock var variable? I don't even know what that means. Force Does that make sense to you? Feedback to the shock. I mean, that's like leverage curve is a multiplier for, yeah. for force that you multiply your vertical force at the wheel by the leverage ratio. And that gives you the force at the shock. Um, I don't know if that answers it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what he was asking there. Anyways. <clears throat> Yeah. So, um, at this point you're, you have what, like pretty much like the big brands on, on your site, right? It's like, uh, let's, let's see here. You have like Santa Cruz, who else are you, are you making links for? Uh, so we got Santa Cruz, Transition, Yeti, Evil, Kona, um, Specialized, Ibis, Pivot. Um, am I missing anything? Forbidden. Um, Yeah, so a bunch of them. Then, there's different there's, different uh, bikes then as well for those. Like it's not just one line either, too. So it's like, okay, well, here's a bunch of Santa Cruz ones. You know, like you have High Tower V2, V1, Mega Tower Nomad, Bronson V3. What's the Von? What's the Bronson V3 link do? Uh, I mean, pretty much the same thing as the other Santa Cruz links, um, more progressive and then travel goes up a little bit. Um, right, it, doesn't, well, it doesn't make it into a V4 Bronson though. Yeah. Um, that would require a longer shock. Yeah. Yeah. 
I am. Um, I haven't written the new one yet. I'm kind of curious to see how it feels. Um, one of my buddies was saying that <clears throat> it changes the the um, the bottom bracket height. Is it? Is that? Does it make it lower on all the bikes, or just so happens to be that way with the Bronson? Or varies bike to bike. Uh, the mm -hmm. Bronson's one of the ones where it happens to be lower. Um, the Yetis are all lower. Um, a lot of the Santa Cruz links are not lower at all. Um, pretty much, we actually try and keep the ride height the same as stock. Mm -hmm. um, or the same as the stock setting that we prefer. So like the, uh, the mega tower, for example, um, it's the same as the stock low position. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think like, cause yeah, cause you, and I guess we should mention that for people. So they know that like when you get the link, you don't have the ability to use your flip chips and yep. anymore. So it's like that, that, that piece is gone. So. Is there a reason that um, you didn't want to like machine that in there or? Um, well, so like on the, the 5010 link, we have a flip chip, but it's for travel. Um, same geometry just changes the amount of travel. The reason we haven't done flip chips on the other Santa Cruz links um, is because honestly, what I've found with them is the geometry change is so small where once you're used to it, you don't notice it at all. Um, yeah. The, like if we're talking about lowering or raising your bottom bracket three millimeters, you could run different tires or change your tire pressure by a hair and, and get that same, you know, height difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so realistically, you know, to, to me, three millimeters bottom bracket height, it's not, yeah, not going to make or break a bike or really even be all that much different and then once you're used to it you just don't even notice at all like the nomad i went back and forth between high or low um for a bit and i would only notice it the first like not even the first lap where i changed it the first part of the first lap yeah, yeah i would I notice would. the difference and then after that it was just like same bike yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i hear you there <laughs> that's kind of funny yeah i i'm it's hard for me to tell on those things, you know, sometimes it, it kind of jumps out to you a little bit, but others I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it's just in my head or not. You know what I mean? So, but, uh, what are you excited about working on? Um, I, I mean, I, I really like the brakes. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I guess that's kind of wrapped up though, because those are in production now. Uh, but yeah, those were have been actually my favorite project so far. Um, honestly, though, I I always like diving into a new link, just getting to getting to go test stuff and see how mm -hmm. much you can actually change it. is is always a fun experiment. Um, you know, even though we've done all these, you know, different bikes, there's there's always variation. You might realize that you know, a certain layout, you actually want more progression than you thought, or maybe not as much progression. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you um, think the, like the, like the major selling point that is, is for the link itself? Um, I mean, they're, they're a tuning tool, right? Um, and it's, it's kind of geared towards, well, 
So there are people that just they they maybe the closest thing to what they want is a tall boy. Um, but a tall boy isn't exactly what they want. Um, you might be able to use a link to get it. Um, let's say you're riding a bike, um, aggressively enough where you're just, you're kind of stretching its capabilities. It, it can help reel that back in so that you're, you know, not you're like the bike can do more than, you know, what you're putting it through again. Um, mm -hmm. there's that aspect too. Uh, or for riding around here, like in the Pacific Northwest, uh, it's, it's great balancing, like, you know, how the bike rides over routes versus how it rides with, you know, really big impacts. Cause we have a lot of trails where you've got, you know, some big old jumps sprinkled into a bunch of routes and just being able to have it set up so that it actually feels good on both is, mm -hmm. is pretty sweet instead of you know, that kind of balancing act where you're like, I'm going to tweak this and then it's not going to feel as good on the jumps or maybe on the mm -hmm. roots, you know, it gets you out of the pick your poison type of thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, somebody said something interesting to me about it too. They were like, you know, you could go out and, and buy a new shock. And if maybe it didn't do what you wanted it to do, you've spent like a lot of money on that. And, maybe not like there's nothing like if you tried to sell that shock or something like that, you're not going to be able to sell it for like pretty close to the same of what you paid for, you know? Yeah. Where like, they were like with that link, they were like, you could try it. And if you really didn't like it, you could sell that link for pretty much the same price you bought it for. Like it's cause it's not like it's going to be like, um, like the, like, like it's just a piece of metal with bearings in it. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's like, oh, well, I don't know what this guy's done to that shock. You know what I mean? It, he could say it doesn't have a thousand miles on it, but it could, you, you know what I mean? Like, like, so I don't know. What do, um, what do you guys do as far as like the bearings go and stuff like that? If somebody um, like, are they just like tr some traditional size bearing that you can just order from you guys? If they, people like wear them out or do you guys have some kind of policy with that where, they can get them replaced um, or so gen generally speaking we use the same same bearings as what the bike comes with um mm -hmm. so that you know if they buy that bearing kit uh they like for the bike they have everything already there okay. um, just so it's not anything different in that manner then yeah there are some bikes where um there's we've decided that some of the bearings are too small and we actually have upsized some of them um mm -hmm. like the process the bearing that the shock attaches to is unreasonably tiny on mm -hmm. the stock link so we made that bigger so that you're not just going through them left and right um as far as selling the bearings go uh we're <laughs> we're not actually really we're, we're not allowed to sell them um mm -hmm. because we're we're a manufacturer and not a distributor or something like that i don't yeah. know all the ins and outs of of like you know, how, uh, how Enduro structures their sales. Um, mm -hmm. so that's just like the, the way we're set up right now, we technically can't sell bearing kits. Um, I, I would say like if whenever someone, you know, if we get an email and someone's like, I, you know, I've only ridden this bike for, for like, you know, a, a week or whatever, some short amount of time and my bearings blown up, then yeah, you know, that's like, okay, that's a defective bearing. We'll, we'll just send you another. 
Um, obviously, like if you've ridden your bike for like a full season and abused it, uh, you know, that's a whole different scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't really expect that, that, you know. Have you, um, do you guys do some kind of testing to the product to see like, to like put it to a failure point and see how that, how that is or? Um, it yeah, pretty much consists of me casing big jumps. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, no, nope, this one's good. Yeah, no, uh, it, I, yeah, I try to thoroughly abuse them. Um, we don't test until a frame fails. Um, cause frames are expensive and that would kind of be a waste of a frame. Yeah, um, yeah. So the real like practical test is does your wheel break before it? Because if you blow up your wheel, then you can't actually exert any more force on the bike. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that's what happens when you case a big jump. So <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. That's that's no bueno. That's an expensive day then, right? So, what are you uh, what are you looking forward to then? Since you wrapped up the brake project, you got something else that's like obviously maybe you can't talk about or something, or you guys just uh, no, we're away. Uh, we're launching the Spiralink, well, Spire and Patrol, the new ones, Sherilink, um, mm -hmm. quite soon, actually. Um, really any day now. Just got to get mm -hmm. a few more ducks in a row. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that's fun. Do you, um, are you guys planning on going to like a bunch of different events or was Sea Otter kind of just your, your one to, to kind of uh, get a feel, put the feels out or? Yeah. I mean, we'd never gone to one before. So Sea Otter definitely was a bit of a, just like getting a feel for it. Uh, we think it was good. So mm -hmm. hopefully, um, did you guys sell a bunch there or? I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, <laughs> we've, we've never done one before. So we, yeah. uh, we sold what I thought was a decent number yeah. of links. And I mean, maybe it was actually quiet. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you felt like it was good, then it was good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting it, getting to, I think more so than selling things, just getting to talk to people and, you know, people getting to put a face to the, the company and whatnot. And, yeah. And just, you know, yeah, we're not just like, you know, some random website, you know, that drop ships you things from a sketchy warehouse. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I understand there. I know when I, I walked in, um, they were saying one of the main guys from Ibis was in there like a little bit earlier in the day. Oh yeah. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He came yeah, in and like you. looked at one of the links and was like, this is for an Ibis. And they were like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, okay. And then he left or something like that. Yeah. David <laughs> was telling me about that. Like, yeah. That's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, what, it, what, what gives you like, what, what, um, what have you enjoyed most about the, the process of, of starting this, this this business um honestly i mean i i like i like just seeing you know something that i have thought is beneficial being able to help out other people too um mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm not going to tell anyone they're right or wrong about their bike setup as long as it's working for you then that's great and if you know if we can play a role in getting people's bikes to work great for them then you know all the better mm-hmm you guys, uh, um, somebody's asking, you guys are going to make a, a, Ripley, a Ripley AF link? Oh, yeah. We get a lot of questions about that one. 
Um, we don't know right now. Uh, there's yeah, there we have a very long short list. A very long short list. <laughs> there's lots of bikes. Yeah, there are a lot of bikes, and a lot of it boils down to what drops out easily. You know, we we might have something lined up, and then it turns out we get another bike in like the next day that we didn't expect we were going to get in so soon, and then that one turns into the the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. And and then, I mean, as as bikes are designed, then like when there's a new new build out, then you're looking at that, you know, and trying to kind of figure out if, if, if that, um, kind of fits into your, your space too. Right. Is there some that you look at and you're like, no, the curves are like already pretty decent. There's no, there's not room for change. Oh, uh, yeah, there are a few like that. Um, not, I, I wouldn't say a whole lot. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the flip side is like, if, if the bike brand were to go and make you know, all of their bikes exactly like, you know, the, the links that we make, then we might actually make a less progressive link for people that want a less progressive link. Um, mm -hmm. you know, cause again, it's just a, a tuning tool. If it, you know, if some people can benefit from it moving one way or another, then, you know, we'll, we'll do it. Um, do you think there would be a market there for somebody that would want it less progressive than the way that it comes? What would be the, what would be the, what would be the gain there? I, uh, I mean, so the downfall to like super progressive is it's harder to use full travel. So if you have, you know, some like some setup where given your terrain or riding style or whatever, you're just not using full travel, um, making it less progressive would, would make it so that you can use full travel again. Um, I mean, all, all of our links are, you know, to date are aimed at people who are using full travel too easily, but mm -hmm. You know, if someone were to come out with a bike where, you know, all these people are like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like I've got a 170 millimeter bike and I only ever use 150. Then, mm -hmm. you know, that, that would be a, a good spot to go, okay, we're going to just make this a little bit less progressive so that people can actually use their full travel. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if things are ever going to hit that point. But. Yeah. Well, being a fat guy, I don't have that problem. So. <laughs> All the travel, all the time. <laughs> I, I think the bikes, so the bikes that we do steer clear of though, are ones where you would have to remake the whole rear triangle pretty much um, mm -hmm. to do the, the changes that we want. Um, those are bikes where the rear shock generally mounts directly to the rear triangle. Um, mm -hmm. Like a lot of YT bikes are like that. Yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for them. Yeah, I mean, you just have to make so many parts or such big parts where it would just be be way too expensive. Doesn't make any sense that way. Have you ever thought about engineering your own bike? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it It's one of those things where it would be a really fun project. Um, on the other hand, there's so many bikes out there where... Yeah. I've found, you know, being able to tweak linkage a little bit and all the various components on the bike, I can kind of, I can pretty much get what I want without uh -huh. having to, you know, make a whole bike from scratch. So while it would be a fun project, um, it's not really a project that I feel the need to do per se. Yeah, um, yeah. It's very expensive also. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it would be fun to do, but I, 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 I am. Um, I'm not equipped to do something like that. But I, I think if I was, I would probably try it just to like see if I could come up with something that I thought would be be better. Do you ever look at like? suspension design and think you know like you could be the next guy that comes up with something else that's like you know the 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 not dw you know or like the yeah that's a hard one i mean because there are only so many ways you can lay out linkages right um right you know to at a certain point uh i mean even like dw links and horse link suspension uh i mean theoretically they're actually the same thing um, it's just that like lower the, like your, uh, chain stay on a horse link bike is the exact same linkage as the DW, like the lower short DW link. Um, it's just the DW one is specifically very, very short. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so like, that's one where it's like, it, technically it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess like from that standpoint, like that, you know, there might be you know, down the road, some really awesome way to lay out an existing, you know, sort of like general platform that hasn't mm -hmm. been done before. Um, yeah. Or, I mean, like, you know, we're seeing more and more six bar layouts now, um, which I, I can see two sides of things with those on one side, it, you know, you, you're opening up more freedom for like separating variables on the other hand, it's adding complexity. And at some point, complexity isn't necessarily something you want. Yeah. Um, not yeah. saying we should all be rolling around on single pivots. Yeah. Um, but there is some middle ground, right? You know, you don't want to have like a 10 pivot, 10 like 10 link bike with mm -hmm. pivots all over. And yeah. 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 I hear you there. I am. Um, I, I, I feel like the simplistic way is usually better. Like, I don't know. Just like even in nature, like it seems like things are simple. You know, like the simple way is the way that actually is like the most efficient. And when things are really complicated, it just doesn't um, doesn't work well. You know what I mean? Or well, or like from a service standpoint, do you like? I mean, you just throw a bunch of bearings in there, and all of a sudden your bearing kit costs you know seventy dollars instead of forty dollars. Right. Right. Like that. Right. And then you have all these other points for failure, you know? Yeah. So when you went to school originally to be, you, you start going to school for uh, engineering, were you like thinking that someday you'd be working on bikes or like you were just thinking no. <laughs> not at all, huh? No, actually. Yeah. Uh, the thing I studied maybe the most in school was renewable energy. Mm -hmm. Funny enough. Um, and then, yeah, now I'm working on bike parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just from, from, from an idea that you had walking out of the, walking out of the, the woods one day, huh? I guess more or less. Yeah. 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 Where, where, where did you like to see it go? So what was that? Where would you like to see it go? Where would I like to see it go? Um, I mean, I, I want to keep offering more and more links, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. I've got some ideas for a brake lever to go along with our caliper that hopefully it'll make sense to explore at some point. Mm -hmm. um, 
So then it would basically be your own line of breaks at that point then. Yeah. 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 Um, which that would be kind of nice just to have one thing that is truly, you know, our own like standalone thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, breaks are really important. And I think a lot of, a lot of people don't realize that because the only way that you know that you have shitty breaks is to buy better ones. You know what I mean? Like most people are like, they're like, no, my breaks are fine. You're like, yeah, we'll try these. And then they're like, oh my God, my breaks suck. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, uh, I don't know. I, I just, to me, it's like, that's one of those things that I don't want to, um, like I, like there's other components that I would cheap out on over breaks. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There are a handful of, so uh, for me, it is breaks, wheels, and suspension are the, yeah. those are the key things. Um, cause obviously brakes stop you and then don't need my bike to blow up on me. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's interesting seeing that the companies that are, that are doing like the, the bigger rotors too, you know? Um, and then, um, I think, you know, that's really like that, that heat dissipation thing, you know, is what that comes down to. But somebody was saying that even with the thicker rotor though, then it still like retains heat a little better though, or a little more than. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is all just theoretical. Um, cause we haven't gotten a chance to get any of the, you know, new thick rotors in, um, in theory, when you just make something bigger like that, you increase the amount of heat that it can actually store, but you don't really change how fast it can dissipate heat. So right. it takes it longer to overheat, but then once it overheats, it's not like it necessarily cools off any faster. Right. Maybe that's, um, and then another bit with bigger rotors is you can keep making rotors bigger and bigger and the rotor itself will deal with heat better, but there's, you know, that component, um, of like that bit of heat that goes into the caliper instead of into the rotor. And if you don't change your caliper, then it's always going to deal with that heat the exact same way. And if you're, you know, generating more braking power with a bigger rotor, then you're putting more heat into the exact same caliper. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking that the caliper actually needs a way to, to cool faster. Cool faster or be able to, because uh, there's kind of like a cycle to it. You, you brake, then you let off the brakes. And if you can get it so that over the course of that cycle, it doesn't accumulate heat, then everything would be good. It doesn't need to be able to necessarily dissipate heat at the same rate it's generated. Uh, mm -hmm while while breaking it just needs to be able to do it over the course of that whole cycle mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting it's definitely um yeah it's definitely interesting that's for sure yeah i saw like i was over at like the galfer tent and they had some huge rotors man like yeah uh, they were like, oh, yeah, well, we've been in the motorcycle industry for a long time. So we're, we're making these that are this big. And I was like, holy cow, like, I never even, like, like, I would think at a certain point, like, the weight of those would be, like, something that you didn't want to deal with, you know? Yeah, they do get heavier, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they also get more flexible when they get bigger, too. Um, 
So a little yes. bend in your rotor makes it actually, you know, deflect a larger amount. And then all of a sudden your rotor's not, you know, half a millimeter out of true. It's, you know, two millimeters or uh, that's a little extreme. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying there. It's definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah, who knows? You know what I mean? I don't know. Is, the, is there a is there a, a sweet spot that we haven't tapped into yet? I mean, for me, I run 203s on my bikes because I'm heavy. So uh, it makes sense to me, but um, I don't know why anybody would want to run anything smaller than that personally. <laughs> like, like, it's just like, I want to stop. Like, I want my brakes to work all the time, you yeah. know? Yeah, and... I mean, you know, again, like you were saying before, the modulation is, you know, your finger. Yeah. Yeah. You just squeeze it as hard as you need to squeeze it. And you're, it doesn't matter if you've got 200 millimeter rotors on your trail bike. Yeah. 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 I guess if I lived somewhere that was more like flat, maybe I wouldn't care as much, you know, but like where we live, I live in Northern California. I mean, like where you live is probably very similar. Like you do a big climb and you do a long descent you know? Yeah. So you're, you're definitely like working those brakes over those several miles of descending where like somebody that lives somewhere more like, let's just say like Sedona, for example, it's like up, down, up, down, up, down. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're not just riding the brake at 35 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. heating the hell of it, you know, like up or, you know, or something like that, like you would do in Downeyville or 20 miles an hour, even at that, you know, it's like, um, I mean, I've been on, on rides before you finish and you can hear your freaking rotor like tinging, you know what I mean? Like that's freaking hot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So is there like, what it, was it just like, you just wanted more power? That's what, like, what made you want to do that break? Like that was it. You just wanted yeah. to not hot, like, like, did you feel like your brakes were like fading over a certain amount of time or? You just wanted to be able to pull less hard and have more braking power. A bit of all of that. Yeah. Um, there, I, there are a couple of trails in particular around here where at the bottom, it felt like you'd have to squeeze it way too hard to mm -hmm. get the braking force that you needed. Um, and then some of it was trying to minimize fatigue. And I mean, obviously those two things play, play into each other. If you have to squeeze your brakes harder than, you know, you mean you maybe should then your hands will fatigue quicker um, yeah so yeah that the main thing really was the the fatigue um and yeah it's just a, a combination of both of those things yeah there's definitely some trails around here that i've been riding that like earlier last year i think i started having like all these like hand hand like pain you know and I didn't know what it was. And I thought like, I like bought a different set of bars because everybody's like, oh, these one up bars, they have this like compliance. They're so much better. And I tried some different grips and like, I couldn't get it to go away. And then I realized it was like this trail system that I was just riding all the time that I was just like, it's super steep, you know? And then just like squeezing the living shit out of my brakes for like, and riding it all the time. And it was like, I had not ridden there for a while because that area gets like a lot of poison oak and it went away and I was like, Oh my God, that's what it was. It was just like riding over there all the time. And me just like 
just freaking death gripping my brakes trying to come down this hill, you know? So maybe, maybe I need more powerful brakes or just need to do more dieting or something like that. Right. <laughs> so, well, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on and chat with me. Um, it was definitely fun. Is there anything about the product that you want like people to know that maybe we didn't cover? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we, we talked about it all pretty well. Right um, oh, the one thing that's interesting about the brakes that we kind of noticed uh, and didn't entirely expect is so it, it, it almost like there are instances where it feels like you have more traction which mm -hmm. doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, and more and more we thought about it, it kind of realized that it's like, oh, you, you actually like, since you don't have to squeeze the levers as hard, it frees up your hands to do other things better. So it's almost like it's easier to transfer weight and stuff like that a little more accurately, which that was a bit of a surprise, actually. Um, that is interesting. Surprise this go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm down for for better breaks, no matter what. So, I'll definitely keep an eye uh, eye on what you guys are doing over there. I really appreciate the time that you guys that you took to to um, to sit down and chat with me. And honestly, like I said earlier in the show, like was really really impressed with with the change that I felt in the bike. I I I was skeptical of how much I would actually tell you know like i'm one of those guys that doesn't know how to like do his suspension very well you know what i mean like uh some guys are like oh yeah man just like do a click here and a, a tap over there and now it's like dialed and i'm like dude i picked it up and wherever it was is where it is for the rest of my life until like one of my buddies is like oh this is all fucked up and then he changes it and i'm like oh okay cool you know like so i didn't really know if I was going to notice it and it was, it was like very apparent. So I think that it's, you know, well worth the money and I appreciate you making a product like that, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We, I mean, we're glad you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So I always ask people uh, at the end of my shows, you watch YouTube? Some YouTube. Uh, yeah. What, uh, I always ask people what channels they watched or like what's one of their favorite channels because and it doesn't matter if it has to do with bikes or not. It's just an interesting question to me. And it's it's yeah. fun to go like kind of check some other stuff out. I guess I'm not the best for that question then because the YouTube I watch is mainly just people sending me random videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just this is a random one. So you don't have any channels that you follow particularly? No. No, no. I hear you there. Well, no worries, man. It's all good. Like, like I said, though, once again, like definitely appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat. And uh it, it was fun. Dude, definitely a good time. Yeah. I mean, hey, thanks for having us on here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So all you guys that hung out here until the end, I really appreciate you as well. Give me the thumbs up on the on the video if you're watching on YouTube or if you're checking us out on a podcast, go ahead and leave a review. Like I said, if it's not a five-star review, it's probably not worth your time, so don't even bother. But, but if you want to write a five-star review, that would be sweet. I like going on there and taking, taking a look at them. They're pretty fun to read, and I, it's always entertaining to see. It's um, been really fun doing this podcast now. This is a, you know the 100th episode, and it's really been surprising me 
how many people are coming up to me and actually knowing me from the podcast instead of knowing me from my other channel, which is, you know, considerably bigger than the podcast channel. So I appreciate all you guys out there. Keep telling your friends, man. If you have friends that listen to podcasts and they are looking for something new and they, they like bikes, then, uh, go ahead and shoot them a link over to one of these episodes and, and get them, get them in, in, into the biker bar group, right? So I appreciate everybody out there. If you guys want to help support me, swing by my Patreon. That'd be rad. You know, a buck a month and you can uh, get some coupon codes for some of the companies that I work with. And uh, other than that, if you want to pay a little bit more, you can get some extra content or a sticker pack or I have like some swag on there as well or whatever you want to call it, some merch, some cool stuff like that. If you uh, just want to get the merch without going to Patreon, you can swim by my, my website, biker.com, B1KER.com. Get yourself a shirt like this one I'm wearing right now. Those of you guys that are on the uh, podcast, it says no fucks given on it. So I get compliments from this shirt more than you would expect. Like late, like old ladies at the grocery store, like that shirt's really funny. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, it really surprises me. This is the one that people like the most. So go ahead and swing by there and grab one of your, one of your own. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, I totally understand. Uh, but I would do one, you guys, just to remember one thing. It only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one. <laughs>